a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop-the-press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Well, the days when we had Buddy the Elf on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to another edition. Hey, it's getting close to the holiday season. It is. You might have to go up with another way to insert Buddy the Elf into the, the radio program. Happy um, holidays, everyone. That's how I say it. <laughs> Happy holidays. You know, it's always funny when people freak out when they say, uh, oh, happy holidays. You didn't say Merry Christmas. You must hate Christmas. You know what the uh, the meaning of the word holiday is? It's, uh, it's Day off work? Uh, <laughs> for you, maybe. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, Christmas. I can't come in. I don't work on the holidays. Uh, no, it's uh, holy days. That's where the word holiday comes from, holy days. So you're really You just... should say that then. Happy holy days. Yes, happy holy days like to you, too. Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, yeah. So do you want to introduce our special guest? Hey, we have with us the world-famous Peter, who is joining us. Uh, you guys will all know Peter uh, from when we gave a shout-out to him about two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's a member of my congregation, though, uh, and his dad, Mike, are here. And uh, Peter's going to do a ride-along, and he and I are going to be a team for Bible Bee. Is this part oh, of the yeah. uh, the... The Table Talk radio host outreach program, you know, kind of like the the Air Force has their cadet program. We have, yeah. what do we call this? The Radio Clown Training Program, or what? Is That's this? right, Radio Clown. Uh, now, uh, you, so you'll be testing out Peter, no doubt, to see if he can take over um, next week for me. Uh, Peter, when is your, your when is your twelfth birthday? <laughs> Next year in October, actually. October. Okay, so I, we're well on track then. Um, I think you. <laughs> do we, do you have a sign by your door? You have to be this high to be on Table Talk Radio or anything like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. But Peter's plenty plenty tall. Okay. Well, good. So uh, Peter, uh, here's a lineup for Table Talk Radio. First, we're gonna uh, give our buzzwords and then uh, read an email or two, and then the second segment of the program we have a brand new game. New game. <laughs> This is fantastic. This, I mean, we've taken not preparing to a whole new level. Yeah, so this, this is, a... is the Name That Table Talk Radio Game Game. <laughs> How's this going to go? You're going to do something, say something, play something, do something, and then I have to guess what game we're playing. <laughs> it could be Ten Commandments in the News. It could be Bible Bee. It could be... Name that church body. It could be which ladder. It could be good. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to see. Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, and oh, then man. the final two segments of the program, we're playing Bible Bee, and Peter is uh, uh, participating in that game. 
Um, we're going to do Hollywood Square style, where uh, Pastor Wolfman will try to answer the question, what book of the Bible does this come from? And then Peter has the task of determining whether Pastor Wolfmiller is correct or incorrect. And then mm. uh, then P- Peter has selected verses for me to guess in the Bible as well. So right. a solid lineup for Table Talk Radio. Let's start off with our theological buzzwords. Pastor Wolfmiller? I, my buzzword for you is thankfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Relevant, huh? Uh, not really. Think, Thanksgiving was last week. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Anyhow, it doesn't no matter because <laughs> Paul says to the Thessalonians, uh, be thankful always, which is something I'm thinking about a little bit because so we train our children to say thank you. Right. And you, but there's a certain time when you say thank you. You say thank you say thank you when someone gives you a gift or does a kindness to you. And when Paul so when Paul comes along and he says, give thanks always, he's saying that everything that we have in this life, I mean, every moment of our existence, every breath, every bite that we eat, every thought that the Lord gives to us is itself a gift. So when Paul says, be thankful always, he's 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 setting the Christian life to always be a gift from the Lord. Huh? Nice, huh? That is nice. Well, and this is what Luther teaches us, too. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, look. Uh, God's going to give us these things, whether we ask for them or not. <laughs> God's, God's going to give them even to all evil people. Uh, but we pray in these petitions that we would realize it and re- receive these things with thanksgiving. Nice. Right? Right. Okay, so my uh, theological buzz phrase for you is the hypostatic union. And uh, this is the uh, the dual natures of Christ being both uh, 100% God and 100% man. And they uh, they are uh, united in the person of Jesus. We can see from those two buzzwords the intellectual difference between the two of us, by the way. <laughs> and the relevancy. <laughs> <laughs> the hypostatic union. It's interesting that um, in in the early the early days of Christianity, uh, this we, we had how many heresies creep up because of this whole thing, uh, w- whether Jesus can be fully God and fully man. And I think it's interesting that uh, you know today, if, if that is drawn into question, it's usually God's divinity that's drawn into question, right? So right, that you right. you have the big uh, yarn that he can either be a good teacher or a, you know uh, or a lunatic or a liar um, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or God, but mm-hmm. but then when they were dealing with these Christological heresies, it, they didn't have a problem thinking that that Jesus was God. Okay, that's fine, but could he be a man? <laughs> could right. could, could right. God be in human flesh? Yes, yes, yes. So Fantastic. so we always have to maintain both of these are true, and it's not yep. some sort of a a 50-50 mixture that he is uh, fully God and also fully man. Hey, I've been now we got an email here about closed communion. I wonder if we should take that up because I got something about the hypostatic union and closed communion. Okay. Hmm. And this is what it is. Here, well, here's the email, and then I'll talk about. It. Hello, pastors. Very much appreciate the show, and I've been enjoying marathoning on it to catch up over the last two weeks. By the way, as an aside, this is from Sarah from Aurora. Uh, dear Sarah and all our new listeners, I think we have got a, a few new listeners because every now and again uh, someone asks to join our Facebook fan page, so stumbles across. So I think if I, I think we did the calculations and our listenership must be up to about uh, 19 or I don't know if we've breached the 20. Anyhow, for those of you that are joining in the show, some of you have said that you're going back to the beginning and listening all the way through. This is and not I recommended. I cannot caution you against that more highly. Just, just start from here and go forward. Just try to put the past behind you, really. 
<laughs> That's yeah. so true, really. <laughs> so marathoning is dangerous. We uh, there's all people. I don't. I don't know. We need to check our insurance because of all these people that have been getting hurt listening to our show, <laughs> falling off treadmills. What happened last time? Someone hit their self in the face with an iron. Did that happen? Right. Might just dream. That might have been that. a dream. Pastor Wolf Mueller's voice, Sarah continues, seems to put my baby to sleep. It puts everybody to sleep, Sarah. When I'm listening to Table Talk Radio, it's the only time the kid isn't squirming all over the place, so the mediocrity is very useful. Keep it up. This is a child in the womb, by the way. I understand why we practice closed communion, Sarah continues, and fully support its use in our synod, but I am concerned that the Missouri Synod churches don't seem to actually practice it. For example, last week I visited Missouri Synod Church where a Baptist was allowed to commune with us. Having spoken to the Baptist myself, I know he doesn't believe what we do regarding the six chief parts of the small catechism. Uh, something about issues, etc. I'm skipping that part. I don't know if he wasn't questioned well enough by the pastor or so general in his answers. They sort of worked and he squeaked by or something else or whatever. I'm trying to put the best construction on it. So I have a few questions. One, A, is that dangerous to put the rest of us partaking in that communion and fellowship? And is it that dangerous to the pastor, a la 1 Corinthians 11? One, B, if yes, should we not partake in such a communion if we know something like that's going on, or should we ignore it? And two, what can we do to make sure closed communion is observed in our churches? Sarah. Wow. And then a threat. There's a threat afterwards. Here. Oh, what's the threat? If, if it's not asked on air, I know where you live, Pastor Wolfman. Oh, 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 well, dun, we got, dun, we got dun. to it. You know, Issues Etc. has their Issues Etc. 24, where they go for 24 hours. Mm. I was thinking we should have a Table Talk Radio 24 and go for 24 minutes and then call it good. I thought we did that once. Did we? Hmm. I think that sounds like a good idea to, my, to me. <laughs> so yeah. maybe someday we'll have the Table Talk Radio 24 and just... In the show halfway through and, and then call it good. <laughs> Table Talk Radio 24 seconds. <laughs> be a huge blessing. Yes. Anyhow. Uh, okay, so what do you make of Sarah's question? Well, let me let me first say, um, even though a pastor, I'll, I'll say this on, on before our break, and then you can respond to her question more fully. All but right. uh, sometimes I, I realize in being a pastor about a year and a half now that even though a pastor can have a, uh, a good stance on... Um, uh, close communion and have the right statement in the bulletin. Um, sometimes it is difficult to execute it, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know there's been times in which someone has has come to to uh, to speak to me about coming to the Lord's the Lord's Supper, and um, and in the short time you have uh, to to talk to them, you ask a, a, a few basic questions, and then later have found out that uh, that you didn't ask enough questions or didn't ask the right questions. And so that does happen, um, but I think uh, here Sarah is asking more about what about a, a pastor who uh, isn't trying to be faithful to the practice of close communion, but just kind of lets anyone come to the Lord's Supper. And uh, that's the question we'll come up, we'll take on the other side of the break, and more specifically, what does this mean for the rest of those communing at the table in which uh, others are allowed to partake who have a different confession? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll answer questions like this if you give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, or questions at tabletalkradio.org. Table Talk Radio, disappointing listeners since 2008. You 
I wonder if you're going to guess what game we're playing. (laughs) This sounds like that game Church Father or... Oh, man. For the sake of the listener, I'll tell you that uh, Evan didn't know we were going to play what game, what Table Talk Radio game are we playing game, because I just invented it right before the show, since I didn't know what you were doing. I'm sure next time you'll uh, be a little more conspicuous with the... uh... I'm not convinced you figured it out. (laughs) I had Peter say, bumper sticker. Peter loves this game. I'm going to pull up the Worldview catalog. Now, we're still answering Sarah's question about uh, closed communion. Now, here's the thing about closed communion. I was thinking about this a little bit as we were kicking around Turkey and Greece and noticing that these ancient towns are full of all these temples, these idolatrous temples. Remember that? I might have mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. There's temples everywhere. And and now the church, uh, the Christians there, uh, have their own altar. So that instead of participating in the altar of demons, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, the Christians participate in the altar of Christ. The Christians are participating in the altar of the Lord's Supper, not in the altar of Zeus or Dionysius or anything else like this. So that so that uh, the practice of closed communion is the confession of the unity of faith in the early church. Now, something happens when Christianity becomes legal and then it becomes a religion of the empire, and then the church is busy... Uh, uh, fashioning creeds. So even though probably the Apostles' Creed, you can see the origins of this even before the legalization of Christianity, but these big church councils, like in uh, in uh, Constantinople and Ephesus and Chalcedon and Nicaea and all these councils, are uh, kind of official things. They're, they're kind of government-sponsored get-togethers, and these confessions that come out of them are the way that the church is, is manifesting its, its in confessional unity and integrity. Well, Which is it, fine. It's it com- good to have that. But right? it complicates the issue more with close communion when Christianity becomes divided. I mean, right, then right, you true. you are either a pagan or you are a Christian. Right, um, right. And, and now you have uh, people who say, I'm a Christian, but I just don't believe that's Christ's body and blood. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't believe those words there. I mean, right, right. And probably it's been like that all the way along, which is why they had to have councils and had to have... Uh, confessions of the two natures of Christ, of the hypostatic union, etc. Hmm, nice. I'll give you 350 points for that. You I s- think that's the first time I've used the buzzword in about two <laughs> I was years. just thinking that, too. Like, I forgot to what to do when I get care. points. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Points! Now i got to change my joke at the end of the show. Not that I had one. <laughs> to talk know. about how valuable the points actually are. I'm not used to you being this productive. <laughs> Speaking of productive, so what's your answer to Sarah's question? So uh, the, the, it's the really tricky question in there, and I really don't know the answer, is is it dangerous to participate in a service where open communion is taking place? And um, we open communion is not good. Uh, we could say that at least, and we shouldn't practice it because uh, Paul warns about this. In fact, he says it's not the Lord's Supper that you take when you're trying to... You know, have this dual confession and participate in the demons' table and the and the Lord's table, etc. That you do it for your own danger, um, when and all these sorts of warnings when he calls the pastors the stewards of the mysteries of God. Um, 
But we're but like you said, this is a. I mean, we we want to do as well. We I mean, we have it as our goal to practice unity of doctrine, and we have the unity of doctrine as a as a very very important thing. And how we kind of graciously, and um, uh, how how we graciously and with a degree of kindness practice that unity of doctrine, um, it's a well, it's a tough sort of thing. And there may be a distinction here to be made between uh, a pastor who practices open communion. And a pastor who desires close communion but is kind of a wimp, you know, <laughs> right, right, um, which is me sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's been said before, and I completely agree with this. A pastor told me one time that a close communion is one of the hardest things a pastor has to do, and I, I agree. That's it's difficult because you got uh, someone who confesses the name of Jesus but doesn't agree with us on other matters of doctrine, and uh, they want they desire to come to the Lord's supper for whatever reason, and you have to say no, I'm sorry. Um, that that that's a hard thing to do, um, but some people, though I may disagree with it, some some pastors' uh, practice of close communion is to commune and ask questions later, mm-hmm. um, and I don't personally agree with that. But that is far different than someone who practices open communion, uh, who's who is saying I'm not going to question anything about a person who comes. Uh, you can be whomever you are, and you can come to the table. That that's right. a completely different question. And that's I think right. if if there's someone who's practicing communion like that. Then maybe it is a confession of faith if you are, are communing at that table. Right, that's right. So, okay, uh, are you ready I'm for sure some? Sure, we did uh, well on that one. <laughs> yeah. Sure, we got that all sorted out for you, Sarah. You're welcome, Sarah. Hey, if you have any other questions, you know where Pastor Wolf me there lives. <laughs> all right, uh, here's the first uh, entry here that was submitted to us on our voicemail system one eight hundred three eight five SOLA. Hello, this is Paul in Boston. I don't know if this is necessarily appropriate for a church sign or bumper circuit theology, but I have a uh, a pamphlet from a local church here, or a Christian fellowship, as it says, uh, Vineyard church Christian pamphlet! Fellowship. On the front it says, Spot on practical, and the sermons are relevant and fresh. And on the back, <laughs> it has a bunch of quotes. One of them is, I used to think church was a waste of time. I'm beginning to think I was wrong. Another quote is, what a church should do help you actually live your life better. The next is, uh, the atmosphere is loving and genuine. And what you can expect, apparently, at this is a 90-minute service where you have practical talk, lively rock gospel music, and, as always, free bagels and coffee, engaging programs for kids and teens available at the 9.30 a.m. service. So, yeah, nothing about, uh, nothing about the sacraments. Anywho, hope you guys have fun with this. I like how Paul says, anywho. Bye. I I wonder if the coffee is as fresh as the sermons. I was going to say, that that church is really standing out from all the rest. (laughs) I know. (laughs) What? They're going to tell me how to live my life? Your sermon is so (laughs) stale. That's right. I wish I had No other churches. church tells me that. <laughs> All these other churches are always talking about Jesus, forgiveness of sins. Yeah. We're going to be different. Yeah. And, and their sermons are fresh, <laughs> unlike the stale sermons over at Hope Lutheran Church. I know. I know. 20 <laughs> years old well from sermons.com. <laughs> oh, brother. My sermons might be just the freshest in town, <laughs> seeing as they're just picked right before the service. <laughs> The They're fresh. raw. The sermons are raw. They're not even cooked. They're just not. A... <laughs> it's like walking in the backyard and grabbing an apple off the tree. It's kind of how our show is. 
Oh yeah, that's fresh. I'll tell you. Fresh ya. conversation. If you, if, you, if you want fresh, you better go to. You know, some pastors. You know, they they spend hours preparing a sermon. Not me. Not I, here. Oh. <laughs> we just go and see what's laying around out and back. Okay. Well, let's go to the next one. Here. here I'm it. guessing, by the way, that we're playing church pamphlet theology. Ooh. Let's see if you're right. Here's the next one. Pastors, this is Jim in Indiana. I still have not received my acceptance letter to the Wolfmiller School of Hilarity. Oh, man. Anxiously awaiting it. But in the meantime, I have a church sign for you. Uh, this one's got me stumped. This is at an ELCA church. Uh, the message is, live within your harvest, reap what you sow. So uh, have some fun with that and uh, keep up the nugatory work. <laughs> what does that mean? Thanks. Nugatory? Uh, we we don't have a dictionary in studio. I'm sorry. Hold on. I got this. <laughs> let me. I'm checking Facebook here, so I just open another another tab. Hey, what's with the? How do you the, think uh, you spell the, nugatory? The acceptance letter of uh, the Wolfinger School of Hilarity. I have to actually have the school first. Oh, nugatory means of no value or importance, useless and futile. Yeah, that's. A well, thing, I'm I insulted. <laughs> Now, now. Before it sounded pretty good, like golden, you know, nugget. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. chocolatey. So, what do you think of this? Live within your harvest and reap what you sow. Reap what you sow sounds biblical. A man reaps what he sows. So Paul will say stuff like, "If you sow to the flesh, you reap uh, death. If you sow to the spirit, you reap life." That would so be like that Galatians the, um, five or six there. Yeah. 200 points. Peter, don't... What? Oh, I'll just name the book. I just, we're, I'm just practicing for Bible View, okay? <laughs> oh, you don't know what game we're playing. That's right. Uh, <laughs> fifth commandment. <laughs> <laughs> mysticism. <laughs> I'm sure this is somehow mysticism. You're probably playing the super game. Church sign slash witch ladder slash law and or gospel. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't also know what it means. This has me stumped also. Maybe I'm reeling from the insult. Live within your harvest. Well, is this just kind of a practical thing that you shouldn't be uh, buying more things than you have income? It's an anti-credit card church sign? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. (laughs) It should be like this. Live within your harvest. Dave Ramsey class tonight. (laughs) Right, right. But it says, reap what you sow. Reap what you sow. Well, I've got, I, that could be. I've got one more I want to play before we have to go to this break. And this is from the all-famous church sign guy. Here it is. Church sign, salvation by grace alone, apart from any merit, is hard for the pride of man to take. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Whoa. We got a good That's one. Right. That's an actual sentence. <laughs> I'm still trying to find out what's punny about that. I don't even know. Yeah, that that one <laughs> fails on the on the punny scale. Uh, right. I can't. I mean, whoever wrote this search sign obviously didn't know man's greatest need is to know how funny Christians More are. More puns. Hey, Peter, are you still there? Oh, yeah. he's here. All he's right. Here. Are you ready for some Bible B? Yeah. All right. Bible B <laughs> is up on Table Talk Radio right after this commercial break. Don't you go are away. Going down. <laughs>
Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. Genesis, Exodus, the Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Bible 360 is not responding. Hey, uh, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty good to give yourself a little reminder of the books of the Bible. It's kind of, it's like a yeah. cheater bump. Get that. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to get a little reminder and know what books are about. So at least I got up to Joshua. Yeah, as yeah. Long, as long Better not as pick, it, pick anything in the, you know. <laughs> Second That's Chronicles? Not... Is that even a thing? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so how this works, for those of you listening for the first time, since there's all of you. you know, all of you all listen to the first time. Before, yeah. No second time listeners. That's right. That's why our, our listenership, listenership is so low. It's just that it's always new first time listeners. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, the way this works is I read a, there's three rounds. Uh, the first round is three verses and one verse and one word. And uh, the contestant uh, has to determine what book of the Bible this is in and then speak uh, to the verse about law and or gospel. Now, I was yep. wondering, Pastor Wolfman, if you could explain that section of the game, law and Right. So we always want to be looking for law and gospel when we read the Scripture text because uh, the Lord speaks to us uh, in the scriptures in, in these two different ways. In, the first is the law, which is his commandments. Do this. Here's what holiness is. Here's my will, etc. Uh, the law is summarized most clearly in the Ten Commandments, um, uh, and even more clearly, simply when it gets down to one word, love. Love your neighbor. The gospel, on the other hand, is what God does for us, his love for us, His um, uh, and especially the, his son's death on the cross for us, where our sins are forgiven, atoned for. So the promise of the gospel is the forgiveness of all of our sins for, uh, because of the death of Jesus on the cross. So uh, law and gospel are there, and so we wanna, when we read the Bible, we want to be asking ourselves this question. Is it giving us a command, or is it giving us a promise, or both? All right, and we have uh, our special guest, Peter. Peter is in studio, and he's going to uh, confirm or deny what uh, your response is. Right. Uh, uh, that's just, we have, don't have that game, um, Hollywood Squares. Table Talk Radio Squares, we should call it. Ooh, yeah. write that down. Uh, Aurora Squares. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready for round one? Ready. Ready, ready Peter? It. Yep. All right, here it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, yet in the same manner these men, also by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. By, uh, but... Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed. Wow. That's really something. Um, it's a, that's a tricky thing. You know, normally we say New Testament or Old Testament and, um, you know, it could be, uh, that, that could be in the Old Testament. There are, for example, Jeremiah, the prophet, who has a lot of things talking bad about the, um, about the false prophets. Uh, and, uh, and here this is talking about the prophet, the false prophets who revile the Lord's word. Uh, that the one of the two in the Bible, we have two name, uh, angels named uh, Gabriel and Michael, and here uh, this has the name Michael for the archangel, 
his name comes up only in a very few places, uh, like um, like Daniel and the book of Revelation and some of these apocalyptic literature. And this also is talking about the end of time, like some of this apocalyptic literature. There's in the New Testament a couple books that dwell in the end times, along with Revelation, and Paul would do it, but especially Second Peter. And then there's this little book that's much like Second Peter that comes right after it, which is Jude. Uh, and uh, and Jude has a section that's very similar to that which you just read, and it quotes from uh, from the ancient apocryphal book of Enoch. So I'm going to say the book of Jude. Okay, now Peter, would you agree or disagree with that? I agree. Uh, this is actually from Enoch. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jude. <laughs> Jude is the correct response. Very good, Peter. Uh, Peter yeah, Peter! Peter gets 200 ding, points. Ding. All right. Now, Pastor Wolfmuller, is that law or gospel? <laughs> it sounds pretty like there's a lot of law in there, but you might have to read it. You want to read a section again and I can... Uh, uh, a little phrase or something? Like well, I'll just say uh, what uh, Michael said to these. Uh, said, but he said... The Lord rebuke you. Yeah, that's but, right. Because, the, <laughs> is it, and this is this weird thing where the devil's fighting over the body of Moses. What yeah, a weird. That is it's weird. A, it's a weird thing. And but it, the point of this is that Jude makes is even Michael doesn't stand on his own strength, but fights the devil in the strength of the Lord, which is true for us. We don't sing onward, Christian soldiers. We sing, <laughs> a mighty fortress is our God. You don't, uh, huh? <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, well, that's good. Peter. We're tearing you up. Now, Peter has a verse for you. Ready. Uh-oh. Oh, he's getting it here. Are you ready? You're going to warm up your brain there? Yeah, I don't know how to do that. Do your calisthenic stretching. <laughs> do your mental exercises. Do your uh, uh, yeah, wiggle yeah. your ears. Get them going. Okay, here it is. For we did not follow, for we did not follow cleverly deceived Miss, when we make known to you, you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am real pleased. We heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. <laughs> All right, good one, Peter. This is yeah. this has got to be probably from the New Testament. <laughs> um, so th- this is a beautiful text to speak about the content first, just to kind of stall a little bit. Um, but but this, this is the beautiful thing because uh, this this author is is saying that it's because we're eyewitnesses. So in other words, it's not because I felt Jesus in my heart that I know this is true. It's not because um, uh, I, I get this tingling feeling. You know, kind of like the 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 Mormons who knock at your door. They're gonna say. Uh, oh well, just feel, see, pray about it, and see if you have the the burning in your bosom. Well, that wasn't good right. enough for the apostles. The right, apostles right. said, um, "Look, we saw, we saw what happened. We saw that the voice came down and said, this 'This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased.' And this person, uh, who this voice spoke about, uh, died on the cross and rose from the dead. And this is how we know it's true. So this uh, is obviously in the New Testament um, from one of the apostles." 
Um, now, Paul is one of the major writers in, in the New Testament. Um, but I think this is probably going to be something um, more like uh, Peter. And um, it could either be Peter speaking in the book of uh, of Acts, written by Luke. Uh, or it could be in one of Peter's epistles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say, boy, see, I, I was leaning towards Acts, but I, I can't think of where it quotes. This is my beloved son. So I'm going to say uh, 1 Peter. Uh, <laughs> it's 2 <second> Peter. <laughs> you were close. Come on. You were close. I should get some mercy but no, points. That's, no that's, cigar. That's a gimme. Don't you play golf? Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, that's a transfiguration epistle. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were with him on the holy mountain. Of course, yeah. Of course. Okay, Peter, yeah. Uh, th- this is gospel, though, because of everything that I just said, this is gospel. Um, yeah. That, that everything right. that we know of God, uh, we know from Jesus, and it is true. Uh, this is uh, my beloved son. Um, I'd love to give you points for calling that gospel, but remember the rule you made? <laughs> you don't get okay. points unless you got the book right. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll give you your round two then. We've got about right. a minute and a half before our break. Here's uh, your okay. one verse for round two. It says, Awake, O north wind, and come, wind of the south. Make my garden breathe out fragrance. Let its spices be uh, uh, waved abroad. May my beloved come into his garden and eat its choice fruits. Oh, I know all about this text, and I'm a little bit surprised you've been reading it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This you sounds an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds an awful lot like Solomon uh, in his uh, second epistle, uh, commonly called the Song of Songs, where he talks about the beloved. This is really a song that Jesus writes uh, to his beloved, the church, which is quite beautiful. And it has all these, um, the imagery of marriage, the imagery of the garden, etc., etc. But I, I'm going to guess because of this, uh, my beloved, this is the, how the church speaks of Jesus in this uh, Song of Songs. I'm going to guess the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Peter, do you think that is correct or incorrect? Oh, he's thinking. He's wondering about it. He's wise to consider this one. Come on now, Peter. (laughs) I think that would be incorrect. I'm sorry, Peter. (laughs) You are incorrect. (laughs) Oh, Peter! (laughs) Pastor Will Miller is right again. But, you know, we can't really fault Peter for this because when has Pastor Will Miller ever been right two times in a row? So, you know, Peter, I don't blame you one bit for that uh, for that response. Oh, um, but after this commercial break, man. we are going to hear from uh, Pastor Wolf Miller to get uh, the response. Is that law and or gospel? And uh, we'll be getting that right after this break. Uh, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. We want to hear from you. The number is 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, which is questions at tabletalkradio.org. One more round of Bible, one and a half more rounds of Bible B after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. What is this?
Table Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens, does it still make a sound? Man, if it wasn't for my beloved, you'd be in the dark. You, oh, I had no it. Idea. I had it at Garden. I had it at Garden. <laughs> I knew. Ooh, I knew. Genesis. Is that how that song goes? Same old talk radio. Okay, the verse before Vindicus. Pastor Wolfmuller was Awake, O north wind, and come, wind of the south, make my garden breathe out fragrance, let its spices be waved aloft. May my beloved come into his garden and eat his choice fruits. And uh, Pastor Wolfmuller correctly identified uh, that to be from the book of Solomon, and uh, to uh, Peter's chagrin, he was correct. Oh, so I know. Now we need to hear whether that's law or gospel. Peter and I, we're back on the same page now, though. Yeah. We're ready to tear it up in round three. But now, mm-hmm. Song of Solomon, we haven't talked much about the Song of Solomon. There's, there's kind of two major uh, I, 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 interpretive ideas about the Song of Solomon. One is it's just about married love, husband and wife. It's a love poem and goes a little bit beyond love. between. So it's a husband and wife kind of thing. Hence why we haven't uh, talked about it much. Right. Now, <laughs> poor, poor Evan. <laughs> Read through. Oh, man. I... You know, he's thinking about sitting there thinking about okay. What, what, shorn what's the second interpretation that we might want to talk about? Neck like the Tower of Babel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> the second interpretation is that it's a uh, kind of a poetic type of Christ and the Church, etc. So it deals deals with married love, but it, it's a picture of how it is with Jesus and His Church. I think, though, I've got a third idea about the Song of Solomon, which is that it actually is Jesus writing to his church. It's not a type of Jesus in the church. It's Jesus writing about his church. And uh, I got some notes on that somewhere. I'll have to dig them out sometime. We'll talk about it on the air. But that would make this text, that would uh, talking about the love of Christ for us, would be uh, gospel. Gospel it is. All right. Mm-hmm. Peter, I am ready for round two of Bible B. Okay. Sure. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Nice. I'm noticing a theme, Peter, with the verses you uh, you've selected because this also uh, goes to what we talked about in the first round that that it all now rests upon the resurrection. Um, and this is unique about uh, Christianity. I remember when I was visiting a friend of mine in Salt Lake City, and uh, he and I were walking around the uh, the, the Temple Square at um, uh, in Salt Lake City. You know the, the Mormon thing, and uh, uh, I, you know, you're just kind of a sitting duck if you're walking around that place. You're a sitting duck for Mormon missionaries to come up and talk to you. Mm-hmm. So it was just a matter of time. I kind of had the mm-hmm. countdown in my mind, and they came up and they said, "Do you have any questions?" And I said, "Yes, I do. In fact." I asked, is the religion of Mormonism falsifiable? And then I had to explain what falsifiable meant, and that means that it is something that can actually be proven or disproven. Uh, You know, because you can make a claim, and it's not falsifiable. I can say um, that there is an invisible pink elephant in my living room right now. You just can't see him or or touch him or anything like that. That's not a falsifiable (laughs) claim because you can't prove it or disprove it. 
Um, but something like the resurrection of Jesus is a falsifiable event, you know, as far as uh, historical proof is concerned. So my question to the Mormon missionaries is, is Mormonism falsifiable? And do you know what he said to me? What? He said, no. <laughs> and I said, well, in in Christianity, St. Paul himself sets it, set up, sets it up that Christianity is falsifiable. And he says, if there is one event that you can disprove, that is the resurrection of Jesus, then this whole thing uh, is hogwash. This whole thing is in vain. And the result then is that we're still in our sins. And St. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. Correct. Oh, <laughs> correct enough. Enough. Correct a mundo. like hitting a bullseye from 100 yards away. <laughs> All right. And this, um, this, again, is gospel for the same reason the first one was. Um, the, the, so to take it inversely, we do know Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And so, therefore, what Paul set up is the if, then we're still in our sins, is answered in the resurrection of Jesus. Our sins are forgiven and proven by the, by the resurrection of Jesus. Fantastic. You know what? I just realized uh, to, when I started to write down your points that your initials are spell peg. Pastor Evan Gagline? Oh, okay. Thanks for that tidbit. All right, now I'll go to round three in Bible B. <laughs> All right, peg. This is the <laughs> this is the toughest round because uh, it's one word. So, one Pastor, word. your one word hint is. Fees, F E E S. So it's a plural for fee. Fees. Fees. Plural for fee. Uh, fee is something that you pay <laughs> to do something, like the entrance fee. I'm trying to think of any sort of Bible passages that reference the amusement park. Or it could be a picture of redemption, that Christ has paid the fee for our sins, although I just can't think of where that word fee... Now, can you tell me what what version you're using, by the way? Yeah, I am using the New American Standard Bible. Okay. So the fees, they're also extra sort of... So, so theologically, fee would come up talking about, about redemption. Um but then there could also be a historical reference to fee, like, uh, like uh, you know, the fee to pass from one thing to another, uh, one place to another. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a pastor just gra- grasping at straws. This is just—it's kind of like, kind of like for the lifeguard who sits fee. and sees the the little kid kind of drowning in the deep end, and he's kind of doing the doggy paddle and just barely getting his mouth above the water. That's what Pastor Wolfmere's doing right now. He needs little arm floaties. It's kind of hard to tell the context of a word that doesn't actually have any context. Really? Oh, I should have considered that when picking your clue. <laughs> uh, so it could be a theological passage or a historical passage in the Bible. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and guess. But, Peter, I'm not very confident at this. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go ahead and guess Jonah. <laughs> Peter, what do you think? I disapprove. Yeah, disapprove? he disapproves. Well, Peter, you are a wise young man to disapprove of Pastor <laughs> Wolfmiller in this instance. That worked out pretty good, actually. He was not, in fact, looking for the book of Jonah, but the book of Numbers. 
where 22.7 says, So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees of divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and reported to Balak words to him. Oh, well, there you go. This is where Balak sends for Balaam. Yeah, and that would be bad. Uh, That's one of the bad parts of the Bible. Um, That's going to be law. That'll be law there. Yep. Okay. All right, Peter. Do you hey, you know this hey. this uh, this sin, by the way, the the Baal of Peor, because you know Balak tries to do all this bad stuff, doesn't do it. Balaam then eventually uh, kind of puts all the well, it would be like uh, Miss Moab. What year was that? That was probably fourteen hundred. Miss Moab fourteen hundred and lines up all the contestants along the side of the road, and all the Israel <laughs> men say, "Hey, let's get married and worship Baal together." And uh, and that's remembered by the prophets a thousand years later. Such a bad event. The first time Baal's mentioned in the Bible, right there. Yeah. Oops. Hmm. All right, Peter. I am ready for round three. If you have it. Yeah, I. It's got actually it. the pasture, though. Where is it? Oh. Oh wait, wait, wait a minute. I liked it better when Peter was picking up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll get this one uh-huh. for sure. All right. The word is lawless. Oh, I got this. No, no, you don't. <laughs> lawless. <laughs> is this is this a different word than lawlessness? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just had to confirm that. Uh, lawless. Uh, You're gonna know the verse once I say it, but yeah. not until then. I think. So what first came to mind is the man of lawlessness, um, which comes up in. Either first or second Thessalonians. I'm going to say first Thessalonians. Is that, is that Probably. Right? Okay. But I think that <laughs> the word lawless actually comes up in the book of Psalms. Oh, well, that would be wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, uh-huh. understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for ungodly and sinners, for unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Romans. <laughs> Almost. Really? First Timothy. Oh, I, by the way, if one uses it lawfully. First Timothy, verse nine, well, chapter one, verse nine. Oh. I, by the way, just did a little quick search of the word lawless and found a use of it in Romans four seven. What translation are you using? King James. Ish. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. I'm afraid that I didn't get that, but that is uh, law. Well, it's it's lawless. <laughs> It's, uh, oh, it's kind of tricky. <laughs> if someone's Lawless. living lawlessly, then then uh, that is a stern warning of the law. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, Wait a minute. So How I, can it be law if it's lawless? <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually all the time we have. So oh, aren't goodness. you glad you endured to the end? Uh, not we really. Won. Not hey, really. yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. we, we, we won over there. Points. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us on this edition of Table Talk Radio. You're welcome. And uh, thank you for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like the law for the godly. <laughs> it's only for the lawless. Were you paying attention to the text? Good. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. 
Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.